give me five, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 14 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. Now, I gotta be honest with all of you, this is episode 14, take two. I recorded this last week with uh, the man behind fansnotexperts.com and about 37 of its podcasts. Uh, including Main and Fan Podcast and Hair Metal Lab. Unfortunately, he's also my cousin. Um, and I gotta be honest with you, it was the greatest podcast episode in the history of podcasts. And I'm not just talking about Metallica podcasts, I mean any podcast. If this episode saw the light of day, Metallicast would not just surpass, like, Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm talking it would be, like, Joe Rogan level. It'd be the next fucking serial. But my computer decided to delete the audio files. I uh, recorded it. I saved it. I listened back to it. I went to edit it. And... All of a sudden, the audio files were not found, and if that happens again, I'm just gonna fucking kill everybody. I'm not gonna lie. Um, Mike is not here again. Um, I say all that not to um, create pressure for uh, my guest this episode, or to feel like he has to live up to anything. Um, I mean, if this is not better than that episode, you know, I can blame him, obviously. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, the great artist extraordinaire, Nick Makoviak. Nick, I hope I did not put too much pressure on you to perform. Nah, not at all. I mean, this is an upgrade from your, from your little episode mishap before, so, you know. <laughs> what are you talking about? I've never had an episode mishap before. I am a podcast professional. Professional, you know. yeah, I know. I'm definitely not figuring this out as I go along on the cheapest of equipment. Um, <laughs> no, not, no, not even close. I, I have a whole team of people working for me in my uh, professional recording studio, um, I forget his name, but he's, you know, there's a guy over here producing and editing. and. Is that Tom that Quay over there? Tom Quay from... <laughs> he got demoted. Uh, oh, Tom got demoted? Oh, poor Tom. I love Tom. Tom's a good guy. Uh, he's a good guy. So yeah. it seems he's still not had me on his show, but, you know, uh, tomato, uh, you can tomato, still be, you know. I mean, you can still be on the show. I think he has, like, W... To, like Z to still fill in. So. No, I know. I'm, I'm giving him a hard time. I've not really put myself out there either. Um, no. once, you know how the you know how it goes. Once the school year starts, we've talked about this before. Life gets away from you, and it becomes hard to just do this. Which is why January, unfortunately, was a quiet start to the year. But at last, this episode will uh, see the light of day before the end of January. As long as my computer uh, does not delete the audio files, sounds like you need a Patreon for that. <laughs> right, I got I should do that and update this goddamn equipment, and you know, give 
Tama race. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, this episode is a little bit unique in the sense that I'm not dedicating it to a single topic. Uh, Last month, I did the one-year anniversary show. That's sort of the first time I did not have, like, a set topic, whether it be a specific song or a specific album or what have you. And I thought it would be nice to do these episodes once in a while, especially when I have a guest on, because let's be honest, when a guest is on, we focus on the topic for maybe 50% of the time anyways. So I'm calling these occasional episodes, and I'm I'm proud of this, Nick. you got to let me know what you think. Metallicast mixtapes. Ooh, I like that. Thank That's you, nice. sir. I, it came to me one morning, and I said, God damn it, I like that. So That's this nice. Is the, First ever Metallicast mixtape, uh, and you, and you, Nick, are the proud first guest on a Metallicast mixtape. Even though this is your third time on the show. Yeah, well, you know, third time's a charm. If I fucked up the first two times, <laughs> the third, I mean, either we're going up or we're going downhill. So you know, I mean, whatever. No offense, but I keep telling myself the same thing, you know? Yeah. The 14th time will be the charm, and I hope Richard S. He's not jealous that you now tie him for the most appearances. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's not like we're going to be talking St. Anger for two fucking hours, so. No. At no, least, no, no. Not that I'm we planning could. on we, no, it. We, it we might we end could. up that way. Yeah, we could, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we might, you know, I think it's a, that's, a, that's a horse better left, you know, to, to rest in the, in the stable for now. Yeah, I think we beat it into the ground, um, considering uh, we've had basically four and a half hours on the topic in year one. Um, time to move on, I think, a little bit in year two. Or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's been a lot of news from the Metallica camp, I feel like, in the last month. Uh, not any real big news in the terms of, um, you know, new music or anything like that. But, of course, the boys are out on tour. And if you've been a lucky person to see them on the World Wire Tour, you might be one of the lucky people to have tasted the Internight Pilsner, their beer that they're doing with Eric and Bastard Brewery. And... I have not been fortunate enough to taste it, but the good news is, even if you've not been to one of the shows, it is now being released nationally, so hopefully we can all find it at a local liquor store. And it got me thinking, Nick, about uh, all the different bands and alcohol and coffees and whatever that bands, uh, specifically in metal and rock, have released in recent years. And I was thinking how... There was a time, maybe you remember this time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in middle school, high school, if your favorite band did something like this, oh, fucking sellouts. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I I was telling Tom, actually I was talking to Tom Clear earlier this month, because um, we're going to be doing some stuff later on this year together, you know, mild spoiler. But um, I was telling him, like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm now 35, so I can remember back, you know, 20 years ago, you know, the, but when I was 15, which sounds, you know, almost asinine to think about that. But yeah, you know, if you if you found out, you know, when I was 15 years old, and I found out that like Death, you know, put out a wine, or I found <laughs> right. out that like, you know, <laughs> like Ice Earth, I put out, you know, 
a stout, you know, or anything like that, he would be like, well, you know, fucking sell out, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're just in it for the money. But now it's it's very different. Because, um, yeah. again, the music, dif- the music business is so different now when it was 20 years ago. You know, now it's not about really the the band; it's about the brand. That's you know, and the, very true. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's the brand that sells. You know, and it's not just about the music, or you know, like T-shirts or posters. Now it's about you know Funko Pop figures. It's about yeah. um, you know, the, yeah, like the whiskey, the wine, the beer, um, collectibles, the. Uh, you know, bottle openers, like, w- yeah. like whatever, you know, not quite kiss level, but no, nobody will ever be kiss level. <laughs> no, I mean, you can't have the, the kiss condom and the kiss coffin both for sale <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> whatever, whatever the fuck else. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's so interesting to see that. And I think it's telling that most metal fans are receptive to it. Yeah, you know, like for example, like I, like in my local uh, liquor store, I see the uh, the Trooper beer from Iron Maiden. Right. I haven't had it yet, but I know it's there. I've seen the Megadeth. Yeah, same. I've seen beer. those too. You know, I haven't had that yet. Don't know if I, if I ever will. Um, I'm not going to tell Dave had... Mustaine. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Dave Mustaine. There you go. Do you know he brews it? He he brews it. He brews it himself with the ashes of uh, David Ellison and all the uh, tape riffs that uh, he wrote for Metallica. I I can believe that. You know, he, he puts in his own tears. Oh man, man these are real Eric tears from nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. Will he beg me to rejoin? Mmm, Psychotron, yeah. Let me cry some, me and my Danish friends smoking some hash. What a silly bastard that man is. Yeah, a silly, a silly bastard. Now, I've I've had Enter Night. Because, yeah. um, all right, so give me your thoughts on it because I've not yet tried it. Um, the Worldwire show that I went to where it was offered, um, I'm gonna mm-hmm. be honest, I did not want to wait in the line for it. Um, and I was very drunk already, and so I settled <laughs> on the cheaper option of two Coors Lights Tall Boys and double fisted on the floor. Um, oh man, you <laughs> might as well just drink piss then. Jesus, Coors well, Light. You know, That's I, was, like... I was drinking good craft beer before I went into the show, and uh, it was time okay. to get a little down uh, and dirty, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You talking about down, yeah, down and dirty? That's about as dirty as one can get. So I went to the Penn State show, and Penn State it was a dry show because it's a college campus. They don't sell that. I happened to find it at Joe Canals, which is a kind of chain store here in New Jersey. Um, I found it late November, early December, and I found one can. One can. one can of it. So it's not even a six pack. You know, you got the one can of it. <laughs> I bought it, you know, let it chill for about a day or two, drank it, and it was okay. You know, like I'm a stout guy, so I naturally like a little yeah. bit heavier beers. 
But this, you know, it, it was smooth. It went down well. It didn't have a nasty aftertaste. I would definitely need to have a little bit more of it, you know. And it's been hard to come by here. Let's say, like, I found yeah. it that one time. So, but um, it, you know, from what I remember of it, like, I wasn't like, oh, this is disgusting, and, like, spit it out. But, um, <laughs> And I drank it. I was like, oh, you know, like, this isn't bad. And I try to find it, you know, at my local stores around the area. And I right. just couldn't find it. So, Have but you, I think, like, this week. Go ahead. I was going to ask if you're a whiskey drinker and if you've tried I am. Blackened. Oh, oh, I, oh, Brandon, my friend. I actually bought it when they re, when they announced it back in nice. So, and because of, of some little snafu... I actually ended up getting two bottles of Batch 83. Oh, nice. Which, yeah, so I had the one, and the other one is still um, unopened as of now. Right. And I have to say, I'm a big bourbon fan, and I'm used to drinking wild turkey, especially wild turkey 101, which you can drink on its own without a cutter, in my opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. And to go from something that's so smooth and as strong as as Wild Turkey 101 to Blackened, Blackened is um, 90 proof, which is 45% alcohol, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, it was a little bit of a transition. It was originally like, I'm like, ooh, this is a little rough. But once I got, like, the Wild Turkey out of my system and I drank it, the Blackened, it was really good <laughs> so if you are if you're a whiskey fan if you like having like myself like jack and cokes mm-hmm. um it's it's a damn good beer or i'm sorry it's a damn good whiskey and um you yeah, you could you can drink it on its own you know for sure you could cut it with some club soda you cut it with you know with your favorite cola it will go down pretty well and again, it's so deceptively smooth. Like after a while, it kind of sneaks up on you. Like yeah. after like the second, third drink, you're like, oh, <laughs> oh. So see, I'm not a big whiskey drinker, which is what's mm-hmm. prevented me so far from trying it. But mm-hmm. I, I will try it, and. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what my reaction is since I'm not, like I said, a big uh, whiskey guy. But I am a big beer drinker. I like, you know, trying different stouts, IPAs, double IPAs, that type of thing. So I am really looking forward to uh, trying the internet and see uh, what my opinion is. I would like to maybe get a group together sometime and for the podcast do like a blind taste test of all mm. these different uh, band beers, like get the Trooper, get the Megadeth beer, get the Internight, and see which one reigns supreme. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea at all. Right? Not be a bad, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea at all. Do you remember um, the... This was, like, very short-lived. I think it was just in Quebec uh, as a promotion, but Metallica did these black Budweiser cans. Yes, I do. And 
I re I was when I was looking into bands beers to see which ones were out there. I saw that and I for had forgotten about it. But one thing I did not know about was did you know that Carlsberg, which is a Danish beer, did a Lars Ulrich bottle? I did not know that. Yeah, I learned that this week, and yeah. uh, he 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 was just like. Um, I think he did, you know, just like an ad campaign with them, and they did like a special Lars bottle. This was back in like 2014, I believe. But it was funny because I was thinking of how many are out there, and I went to metalinjection.net, and I just did a random search for bands and beer. <laughs> and since, um, like, since the announcement of Blackened in, like, the end of August, I see a headline for Black Dahlia Murder, Whitechapel, Behemoth, Opeth, Pig Destroyer, Mastodon, Armored Saint, Motorhead, Children of Bodom, all have released a beer. <laughs> and that's Why not? just... From fall through now. <laughs> mm. So it's definitely a growing thing for bands to do. Um, I think it, you know, makes sense with the demographic. And, you know, related to what you were saying before with how the music industry has changed, um, you know, the there's a new culture around, I think, alcohol with at least our generation and at least around beer. Like, there's always been a culture around wine and wine tasting. And now uh, with you know, the craft beer movement that's growing um, and I think the same thing with uh, certain liquors like bourbon and stuff like that. So it's definitely as a whole, I think, just changing and the stars are aligning and why not? It's a way to get your name out there. Yeah, especially with like the, like you said, like the craft beer movement. Like I can tell you right now, you know, just where I am, there's three, bre no, I'm sorry, four breweries within a 20 minute driving distance from my house. Yeah, same. You know, like I can go down the Jersey Shore and hit seven, you yeah. know, with within a span of like 15 minutes from each, you know, from each other. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so I mean, it is smart to capitalize on that movement right now. Absolutely. You know, and and it seems like it's just getting stronger and stronger. And again, people want more of that. You know, we t you know talking about like even going like circumventing back to art of like people want that craftsmanship. They want that uniqueness that. Someone or a, like people made this with their hands. Right. You know, it's unique. It's collectible. It's limited edition. It's like if you go to your, you know, local, you know, your local um, brewery, you know, they're, you know, like what's on tap changes every couple of weeks because, right. you know, they only release this, you know, this stout in the winter. They yeah. release this ale in the fall. Yeah. So you have to like be on top of that at all times. Right. So it, it, it's very smart, you know, and again, even going back to like how people like with the, you know, now with the Metallica shows, like buying the posters there, they kind of like that limited edition, you know, inclusive feel. Yeah. You know, it, it's a way for bands to bring back that inclusivity, inclusivity, Ooh, remember, we're professional educators. We talk for a living, you know. That, but we're you know, art and, and music teachers, so. Oh yeah, exa exactly. <laughs> you know, we 
you know, we don't, we, we, we don't, we don't English well. So <laughs> yeah. I can count to four, sometimes six. <laughs> I can count in colors. That's about it. Um, yeah. It kind of brings that, brings back that inclusive feeling to the, like to their world. And like, it, it kind of brings back the inclusive culture yeah. that, was available back in 1982 yeah. when you would see Metallica at you know at at you know uh, God I'm blanking on the on the on the you know like like get, like you know back in like, like San Francisco any small club really you know? yeah or you know whether or, it be you know, you know the Lamores in Brooklyn yeah. you know all, anywhere all like those you, places that just do not exist anymore right you know exactly like. It, like it brings you back to that yeah. feeling of like this is unique to us. Like you're not right. gonna get this at a Taylor Swift concert. You're not gonna get this right. at a uh, you know Beyonce show. Like you're yeah. getting this exclusively in this culture in a, that brought together by music, but also banded together by alcohol and art and like whatever else. So, right. And it's, I think it can tie into with, um, you know, the dawning of what I'll call the modern day music festival, which have, you know, for better or for worse, uh, when you look at like the Bonnaroo's, the Coachella's, um, it's become more of like a lifestyle festival where, you know, they have, you know, craft beer, food trucks, um, an eclectic well, usually an eclectic like lineup of bands and artists and shops and boutiques and whatever. Um, and I think so it just also kind of falls in with that whole subculture too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because again, you're seeing a lot more of that pop up, you know, again, circling back to the art thing of like, you know, people like to buy stuff off of Etsy Society Six, Redbubble, you know, people who yeah. make things for a living, and it's all in, in small uh, batches and doses. So yeah. it's not mass-produced, and I think that's what people really are gravitating towards. Even with a band like Metallica, the the biggest fucking band on the planet, you know, like, they kind of like that idea that this is still, even though, you know, they've sold a hundred and... 40 million albums worldwide. You know, they sell out basically any stadium or concert they go to anywhere on the face of the earth. You can still go and feel part of a, of like a small, you know, intimate community, you yeah. know, within that larger scene. Yeah. So, and I think so. And I think too, to tie in with that, like even when you are a fan of, the biggest band in the world like there's still that outsider element to them and like they're yeah they're commercial mainstream to a certain level they'll do something on at the grammy awards but it's going to be different than anything else you hear at the grammy awards they're going to not be necessarily invited to do like a super bowl halftime show or they'll do it at their own unique way you know like they're they're there it's but it's still like sometimes they sort of flirt with it and there's still sort of like the pimply 18 year olds playing whiplash still <laughs> right it, right but yeah but again like they're they're pretty much at the point where they can do whatever they want they yeah. don't need the super bowl they don't need no. 
the Grammys. They don't need the Oscars or any of these other awards. You know, like, I mean, they were, this this was a band that's gone on tour without supporting an album at all. Right. And sold out arenas and stadiums. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, like, yeah, they're like, yeah, fuck it. You know, we're just going to go on tour now. <laughs> like, we're not going to, you know, we don't have an album to play. Like, for example, yeah. like, when I, when I went to Orion uh, seven years ago, there was, I mean, I guess Beyond Magnetic, because I came out, like, the, you know, the winter before. Yeah. But they're like, fuck it, we're just going to put us, you know, we're going to put on a festival, we're, we're going to play Ride the Lightning and the Black Album in the entire right. And you know, on the flip was, side, too, there, yeah. you know, to tie in with that, there, you know, you go see them on the World's Wire tour, they're selling out left and right, and a quarter of the set list is, you know, stuff off the hardwired album. It's not like you're just going and it's like, all right, we're going to play all of our greatest hits, you know? They're yeah. not living in the past. No, they're certainly not. And I, and I, and again, like, the, uh, talking with Clint on the, on the, um, Metal Tales from the Road with, you know, from like the, from the Metal Podcast. So I went to the um, Penn State show. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was unique because, like, the fanboy in me wanted to see and hear songs that I haven't heard live yet or haven't heard in a while. Right. But I wasn't pissed that I got black and instead of spit out the bone. Right. Or that I or that I got Halo on fire over Sanitarium. Yeah. You know, or I got hit the lights when I wanted the Four Horsemen. Like, that was me being selfish. And I had yeah, to think, yeah, yeah. too, like, I've seen this band nine times live. You know, I'm going to a part of the country, and I'm you know, driving four hours out of my way to go to, go to this show. Um, where they uh, hadn't been there in 14 years or whatever. So you have to remember, like, these are people, again, who are younger than me that are seeing them for the first time or, like, they're my age or older. And this is maybe the third time seeing the band because you're out in the, you're out in the middle of Bumblefuck, Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, like, they're not going to Bumblefuck, Pennsylvania. They're going yeah. to Philadelphia in, in, in Pennsylvania. That's maybe Pittsburgh. Point. Like, they're going out to, you know, the, the State College of Penn State, you know, yeah. literally in the middle of the state. That's a good point, because I feel like on the current tour, you know, they still change up the set list, but they sort of have, like, those alternating slots now, whereas yeah. they're not playing drastically different sets every single night. Like, the core of the set is the same, and mm -hmm. for the stadium shows, it made sense to me, because you're going to get more than just the hardcore Metallica fan. You're going, to, especially since the, it had been a while since they had toured, you're going to get right. the casual fan. You're going to get the person who's like, I own the Black Album and Load, <laughs> and I listen to them on occasion when I'm in my car driving my kids to school or whatever. Um, yeah. You're going to get those people at a big show like that. And now, to your point, it still makes sense because while they're going to the arena shows and might be more of a hardcore fan base, perhaps, they're going to these markets they've uh, not played in years. Like, I know just since they started back up on the current leg, there's been, like, two uh, cities that they've played that they've not played since, like, the Black Album tour. Yeah, it's insane. So, you, have to, you know, consider that where, um, you know, this is, you know, like... I, I guess like Little Rock, for example. 
I don't think they played Little Rock since like 1992 or whatever. So yeah, the last time like they came through town, the new songs were Enter Sandman, Savage Fruit, <laughs> yeah. The Unforgiven, Wherever May Roam, you know, and the thing like one was off of their you know previous album. Yeah. So like they didn't get like Fuel, The Memory Remains, <laughs> right. you know, uh, you know Cyanide or whatever. So yeah. like. Like, like being like in the East Coast, you know, I'm spoiled. I can go to New York shows, New yeah. Jersey shows, Philly yeah, shows. I can go to Boston. I'm, I'm you right, know, like you know, I'm not too far from you. So I, you know, between New York City, New York State, um, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, where I'm at in Connecticut, like I can go to Hartford or, you know, it's it's the options we have is we're pretty spoiled. To be right, honest. you know, and I had to think about that going into the show. Like I looked at it more like I'm seeing the 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 arena production of the stadium show. So instead of a dancing flame from Moth, yeah, we get the drones. You know, we get the cues. You know, we yeah. get the, you know, like the whole different feel of like be, seeing them in the round, being so close to them. Yeah, you know, that's a whole different vibe than just you know. Like when I saw them on the Death Magnetic tour, you know where they're, you know, like when I saw them, you know, two like twice in, again, like how spoiled I am, you know they they played you know Newark twice in January and they played Madison Square Garden twice in November. Yeah. I could have gone the all four of the shows, but I, I picked one, you yeah. know, and it's like like oh yeah I saw like Creeping Death and Justice for All Ride the Lightning yeah. Turn the Page like all right. these all these songs that like you know were like oh man you know like I was like telling Clint of like yeah complaining that I got to see All Nightmare Long twice and I wanted to see the Judas <laughs> Kiss that once where yeah. like I didn't see My Apocalypse you know I got yeah. Broken Beaten Scarred twice <laughs> and I got Side Night twice you know it was complaining about it then and it's like in retrospect it's, it's silly shit so I'm like yeah. yeah you know those are songs that like dude like when they played Cyanide at the beginning of the US Arena Tour like cycle you're like holy shit they busted out Cyanide on yeah, right. 3 yeah you know now it's like they settled down but I do think they're gonna bust out a broken beaten scar they're gonna bust out yeah. all nightmare long you know I do think those songs are coming our way but again it's like you know, like they're playing these quote B markets unquote where they haven't been there, you know, in twenty five right. years, ten years, fifteen years. So I think you gotta keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it too is that you know, I've been saying I think we've probably talked about this before when you were on, but I think the current World Wire Tour is some of the best live shows that they're doing in terms of just there playing like James's voice sounds amazing best it has in years um, the band's just super tight and I think part of that is because the core of the set list is the same every night so they're just getting tighter and tighter and you know they're, they're not um, learning five new songs in the back right before they go on stage which is always great and fantastic but it always keeps things a little bit looser Right, you know that's a good point because um, on the message board they, they mentioned like how like the U.S. set lists you know are not as um, free flowing as like the European. Even though the European had you know yeah. very they, like the, the, it wasn't like they played like a range of seventy five songs. It was about forty at most. Yeah, and, and I remember 
I don't know if you... Maybe I'm making this up, but I'm pretty sure like, when they were doing through the Never, filming through, like, Mexico and Canada, mm -hmm. I remember, like, watching a, a tuning room video, and Lars was getting antsy because they were playing the same set list, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 <laughs> yeah. days in a row. And I remember, like, James prefers having pretty much a stag in the set list because they sound tight when you're playing the same yeah. songs night in and night in, in night out right and Lars Lars is more the one who wants he's more exploratory he's more the artist yeah. he's like yeah let's fucking play Ronnie tonight you know like <laughs> let's play let's play well, he's Fixer. also the encyclopedia of the band where he's like well we haven't played Trapped Under Ice here in 27 years so <laughs> right it's a, yeah, like, yeah that's that's true too but I think that's the battle with the set list where, like, you know, like, they might argue production. It's like, nah, it doesn't quite work because in that fifth song, you know, ballad set, you know, you're going to get Fade to Black, you're going to get Unforgiven, or you're going to get, um, you know, Data Never Comes yeah. or Sanitarium. Like, you're going to get that at the top. Right. And then in that tenth spot or whatever, whatever that is, you're going to get Halo on Fire or Fade to Black yeah. or Sanitarium. Like, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get one of those... Yeah. Why not rotating slide? Because you have like the cubes. I understand like they have the film to it or whatever. But well, it's like it's... after the first song of the encore, it's either you get spit out the bone or fight fire with fire or blackened seems to be like their rotation. Yeah, like they like they do throw in you know like it's like battery. Uh, fight fire, black and spit. You, you know, you're not really getting damage incorporated, which would be nice to throw that in there every once in a while. Um, it, you know, it'd be cool to see like my apocalypse in that spot, or or to see like or um, I mean, Dyer's Eve. That's that's stretching it. I don't think they're gonna play Dyer's Eve. It'd be cool, but I don't. That's yeah, I not would, realistic. I would lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, I would lose my mind too. But you know, like. In, in like that that fourth spot, you could throw in a all nightmare long. Yeah, totally. You could throw in a, a broken, beaten, scarred. You know, I would I would love to, for them to throw in you know a little bit more death magnetic. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I would love to hear that they never come again. That's because that's my favorite song off of death magnetic. But yeah, you know, like throw in you know like I don't need like um, suicide and redemption. Yeah. But like throw in, like. Cyanide, throw right. that in there. I mean, he, I mean, I don't know if you can recall, but like, you know, like every time they would play a show after the after the uh, Death Magnetic Cycle, and it was always Cyanide, and people were like, "Oh, fucking Cyanide, really? <laughs> fucking Cyanide!" You know, now now people are like, "Yeah, fucking Cyanide!" You know, it's completely <laughs> yeah. different. Right. It's completely different. You know. Like, people aren't rolling their eyes anymore because they realize how much of a treat it is to hear these songs. Yeah. You know? Totally. Like I was saying before, like, oh, man, I got to hear the end of the line twice. Oh, <laughs> fuck me, you know? <laughs> Shit, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's a good segue into one of the things we were going to talk about in this Metallicast mixtape. Um where I we were speaking briefly before we started recording. I mentioned to you that um, I saw this article. I believe it's from Metal Hammer. I saw it on loudersound.com, but I believe they took it from Metal Hammer magazine from the UK. And basically, Tobias Forge, the 
creative mastermind of the band Ghost. Um, they're going to be in the opening slot for Metallica when they go over to Europe on the World Wired tour. And so they, jealous. Uh, me too. I, I'm a, I was going to ask you, you're a Ghost fan. I am a Ghost fan. And yeah, I did I, not see that Barclays and I'm kicking myself in the ass uh, for it. Dude, it was awesome. I saw them in... Um, I saw them twice. I saw them uh, at the Capitol Theater in Porchester, New York, which was like maybe a month before Prequel came out. Mm. And then I saw them at Barclays. And both shows were phenomenal. Fuck. Yeah, not to make you feel bad. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, but I mean, I did, I did see them at Orion with Papa One, so... Yeah. I see. I've only. I did not see them um, with. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen them with Papa actually. So the, I think the first time I saw them live was actually um, when they did the summer tour with Iron Maiden. They were in the opening slot, and I hmm. think by then he was already Cardinal. Oh, or he, okay. maybe it was P Papa Three. I think it was Papa Three because Cardinal was, Papa was three. with Raquel. That's when we saw the Cardinal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it was Papa we, Three, but which was still more similar to the Cardinal than it was yes. like Papa One and Two. Yeah, it's on with Papa One. So there's somebody out there listening to this not knowing what the fuck. We're talking yeah, they're like, what about? the hell? What are you talking about? <laughs> So, so for those of you, I think most people know, but just in case somebody out there does not know, Tobias Forge is the songwriter, he's the singer, uh, he's the creative mastermind behind everything, but every album goes, gets a, quote, new singer, which is a new character that Tobias Forge is playing. So Papa Emeritus, right. Cardinal Copia, Copia? Copia? Copia. Copia, uh, yeah. They are, you know, the part of the vocal lineage now of Ghost, and I'm dying to see what he comes up with next. Because Prequel was my, um, I mentioned the one-year anniversary show is one of my top five favorite uh, metal rock albums of the year. I mean, that was by far mm. my number one best of 2018 i thought that album was brilliant from start to finish and my only complaint about it is that it's too short yeah it does feel <laughs> that a little too short yeah but it, definitely. It, it, it's also like a good short like it makes you like the first time i listened to the album i was like that's it and i just started from the beginning to listen to the whole thing again and basically <laughs> listen to it on loop so that's the benefit i think of having like a shorter album is that yeah. you just keep on going back for more and want more um but anyways, going back to this article, which ties to what we were talking about, is that they asked Tobias Forrest to come up with like a sort of a dream Metallica set list. So he came up with a 15-song set list. I'm going to go through it. Um, and Nick, if you want to jump in and share your thoughts on anything, there's some classics in here. There's some hits. There's some deep cuts. Um, he has, and he gives a little explanation for each that I'm not going to read through, uh, but I might throw in some quotes here or there. Yeah. Um, but for song one, he has Battery. Okay. Not and, bad. Not bad. And then he goes right into Creeping Death. Oh, the one two, just kill your neck. Okay. No, one right. two All punch. Right. And he made a good point, too. Uh, uh, he says, they used to open with this a lot, which is true. Um, 
but you know lately when they've been playing it they've sort of put it later in the set so his idea put it back near the front of the set and just rip your face off i guess Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so Battery Creeping Death n- at number three of Wolf and Man. Yeah, I can, you know what? I can kind of see that, that little, you know, thumper. Because you got, you open up with like two, you know, like two, th- you know, thrash classics. You yep. know, you get to sing along with a die. And a Wolf and Man, you know, nice little deep cut from Black Album. Yeah. Um, I think for them, like, it's, like Absolution is pretty much a, a Wolf of Man clone. Yeah. But so like I could see that throwing it in there, like you know, spot number three, you know, kind of keep the keep the energy going. I could see that. That Absolution's a good comparison. I was thinking when I was reading this, I was like, I have a sudden urge to hear Ghost Cover of Wolf of Man. That's something I need in my life that I did not know I needed before. <laughs> And then, you know, we were talking about that ballot slot at number four. He has Welcome Home mm-hmm. Sanitarium. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he goes completely crazy on Ride the Lightning. He has number five, Fight Fire with Fire. Number six, Ride the Lightning. Number seven, From the Bell Tools. Number eight, Fate to Black. He has the whole side A of Ride the Lightning in full. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, oh, I mean, that's my favorite <laughs> Ride's my favorite album, but I, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, I think, I mean, it's great. To, it'd be great to hear that, but I don't, flow-wise, Yeah. That, that, that's a little awkward to me. You I know, feel like you're, if you're going to do multiple songs in a row off the same album, you really should not do more than two. And if you're doing more than two, then it's got to be one of those we're performing the whole album type thing. Right. I was going to say, like, you're doing half the fucking album. Like, you're doing the whole side A yeah. in, in, in order. <laughs> like, don't fucking tease me like that. Just, you know, after, after Fade, kick in with, you know, Trapped Under Ice, you know, like, why bother playing Keep Second, you know? Or, like, if you're going to do, like, the like three songs in a row, don't have them be, like, chronological order. You know, yeah. like... Just have them be like, if you're gonna be like, okay, after sanitarium, you know, you do you do do bells or like do ride, yeah. kind of play them out or of or separate water. like the more thrashier tracks. You could do like sanitarium, fight fire with fire, go into bells, which is sort of you know more mid tempo thing, yeah. and then lightning, and then slow it down with fade to black. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. But then so like that that's eight. Okay, so what's 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 in slot nine? Nine is blackened. <laughs> okay, all right, sorry. So, all right, blackened, all right, okay, all right. And number 10 is uh, perhaps the biggest uh, curveball on the set list that he came up with. Number 10 is Until It Sleeps. Ooh, ooh. Okay. He I kind of like that flavor a bit. He says, I really didn't like the more rock and roll and blues space material that Metallica went on to do, so I've kept quite far away from that period. But even I have to admit that this is a brilliant song. So, and it got me thinking too, like, I think I want a Ghost Until a Sleeps cover. That would be fucking they awesome. They could do that really creepy and cool and maybe add some, like, organ in the back. That'd be badass. You know, it's funny, too, that with Tobias saying, like, he doesn't like, like, the more rock and roll side of Metallica. 
That would be like, you know, like OG ghost fans who listen to Opus going, I don't like this 80s <laughs> yeah, synth shit of the Kel. I I'm think like, it's the same thing. Isn't that the pop calling the kettle black? <laughs> you know, like, I get, like, yes, you could be a fan of the first four or five albums, but. Yeah. Jesus, like. You're like you're banned more from like a hard rock '60s sound on the first album. Yeah. You know, Infest kind of had me like a weirdest sound. Yeah. Mirrorola had like a '70s rock sound. Frickell has a distinctively '80s sound. Like yeah. you're constantly you evolving. How? To sum how it up, you... you basically went from a satanic Beatles to a satanic Motley Crue. <laughs> Correct. Right. Right. With, with, with doses of the cure and Michael Jackson thrown in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. So until it sleeps, okay. All, all right, right what's, so what's after, after that, sleeps? we have uh, two classics. One, and then Master of Puppets. Okay. Per- nothing wrong with that. And then he has a three-song encore. Am I Evil? Okay. Last Caress. Uh-huh. And ends with the typical Inter Sands band, to which he says, the all-time greatest banger you can have, you can say whatever you like, but you can't argue with this song. No. Right. I do question evil and caress. My, I mean, my thing is this. Too cover-heavy. And uh-huh. if I'm only limiting myself to 15 songs... I'm not going to choose any covers. I would probably only choose me one or two. I feel so. like a cover is a good thing, like, to either start the show, like when they would start with So What, um, right. or if they, or for the encore slot, but you got to, like, I don't know, it just seems unbalanced. You got to balance it out with something. Right, right. You gotta have so, more like meat and potatoes there. Yeah, so I mean, I would think if you're gonna throw in the, like two covers, and you have to have an 18 to 20 song set. Right. Because if you're doing if you're doing 15 songs for a set list, um, yeah, then like you're either gonna have a fucking banger of a cover, like the Merciful Fate medley. Yeah. Or like you know something like a classic like Bread Fan. Yeah. You know, something like that. Or, you know, you just can't fucking, like, uh, you know what's funny? Like, I, I, I love Am I Evil. I used to love it as a kid. Yeah. Now, I can kind of take it or leave it. Even though, That's again, it's, 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 it's such a... I think it's just so played. Yeah, it's it's such a well-known cover song. It's such a yeah. well-known song from Metallica. To me, it's almost like, eh, you know. Yeah. It is, you know, it is what it is, you know, it's, and maybe I love, if I didn't hear it every, you know, cover, yeah. but. And I love, like, I love the Misfits, I love the Last yeah. Caress cover, but if you're going to do a Misfits cover, give me all three in a row. Give me Last Caress, Green Hell, Die, Die, My Darling, or at least two of those three to kind of make it feel more full. Because if you, you're, right. if I'm having a 15-song set, a three-song encore, and one of them's a two-minute punk cover, I'm sort of like, eh, I like it, but, you know. Or maybe I would give switch, me and I, I would have Last Caress first, then I might 
Yeah, I could. I, I that would feel more balanced to me too. Because like that's the way like they would they played it. They would do last caress yeah. in like the first the front half of End My Evil. Right. So now like you like you you obviously did research. I'm just gonna rip it off the top of my head. Yeah. So but, I like, I mean I followed the same format. Uh, mm-hmm. I came up with my own set list. I limited myself to 15 songs, including Oof. a three song encore. Okay. Um, I had. A few different things that I kept in mind when when I did this. It mm-hmm. was going to be very easy for me to be selfish and just choose all my favorite songs. Right, right. If that's even possible. Because I, for the one-year anniversary show, I did my favorite track off each album. And if I did that again this episode, I bet you 25% of what I chose at least would be different. Right. Um, I wanted uh, a representation of their full career. Mm-hmm. I wanted a set that I thought flowed well, mm-hmm. and I wanted s- songs that I thought would translate well live. Right. And and I also wanted to choose stuff that like a hardcore fan like us would love, but then mm-hmm. you know that casual fan I mentioned would get something out of it too. Okay. So here's what I got. All right. Um, the only thing that. I think the same as his is you start with battery. Okay. I go back and forth between what is my favorite opener, but at the end of the day, Master Puss is my favorite album. So you start with what I think is their best opener. You start with battery. But here's mm-hmm. where I mix it up. Battery right into Master Puppets for that one-two punch. Ooh, okay, good. And Master Puppets gets played every set at the end. I think it would be a huge way to mix up just throwing it near the beginning. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you can't do more than two songs in a row off the same album right. without going all in. So after Master Puppets, you go for a newer cut, Dream No More. Ooh, yeah, that's heavy. Okay. And then I track four to represent Death Magnetic, The Day That Never Comes. I like, I like what you're thinking. All right, okay. And then you go for a deeper cut that rips your face off, Disposable Heroes. Ooh, okay. Okay. Now, balance that out a little bit. Fall with No Leaf Clover. Mm, okay. Fall by Blackened. Mm-hmm. And now, the Richard S. He cut, The Unnamed Feeling. Not bad. Okay, not bad. And okay. now, I, I, I came, and then I thought, you know, like I said, I need songs that are fun live, what are songs that people love singing along to, so I have Fuel, Creeping mm-hmm. Death, Seek mm-hmm. and Destroy all in a row. Okay, perfect. And, yeah. and then they end with one, well, end before the encore with one. Mm-hmm. So we have, and then the three-song encore, I call it a gradual build. Bleeding okay. Me. Ooh, okay. Sandman. Mm-hmm. Damaging. Ah, uh, okay. That that's I, it's a little similar to how the end of the um the Madly and Anger tour, like they would have a cover, Sandman, and then they would have like Seek and Destroy or a Thrasher. Like they did, like they did Dyer's Eve for a while. On spot. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna riff this. So I'm, I'm just making this up as I go along. So, all right, so I would be tempted. I would love them to open with Enter Sandman. I like that. Open with Sandman. Get the fuck out of the way. Boom. Then 
Creeping Death. So like that classic black album, Enter Sandman, Creeping Death. Okay. Then, just like on the World Magnetic Tour, slot three, Seek and Destroy. I like that. So like you've got Stone Cold Classic right up front. Yeah. Then if you want if you want to do, you know that cover like number four since we're only doing fifteen of the eighteen songs. Yeah. You want to do number four as a ballad? I'm going with Day. Great mind. Then I'm, so I'm, <laughs> yeah. So now, so like all right, I want to bring 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 the crowd back into it. I want to go with Fuel at number five. Nice. All right, and then number six, that would be, uh, let's see, we could do, let's do Ride the Lightning in number six. I like that. Kind of, got like a number, like a nice mid-tempo. Yeah. So it has a good feel to it. All right, now seven, let's see, seven, what would be like a good seven? Let's see, think that's like a good, maybe that's a deep, that's a deep cut. That's yeah, a deep I think cut like slot. when you get to... The six, seven, eight—you can start flirting with one or two deeper cuts before you gotta bring it back. All right, so if I'm going, so if I'm going, if I'm doing, going deep at at number, am I at one, two, three, four, six, seven? Hmm. I don't want to go. I don't want to go fast. With this particular slot, like I don't want to, go, I don't want to thrasher. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking if we go after ride, I I'm thinking. Oh, ooh. You know I'm gonna slow it down. I'm gonna go eye of the beholder. Nice. Going eye of the beholder. Kevin Van Dam is so happy with your set list right now. <laughs> I just made Kevin Van Dam say, put an eye to behold in the set list. I was actually th- I thought of him when I was coming up with my set list. He's like, I'm, he's going to be so pissed I didn't put eye of the beholder. <laughs> yeah. For him, that's song one through 15, I think, at this yeah. point. <laughs> it's one, I, two, of, three, the, four, beholder. Five. I, so I want to put either the holder in there. All right. Now, number eight. That's like your, like your second ballad slot. Yeah. Right. Because you, you know what? Orion. Nice. Put Orion in there. Now, after Orion, bring the bring the crowd back up. Moth in the flame. I like that. And then, so then, let's see, now, now that's nine. Bring it back into Moth. So ten, you want to keep that momentum going. Oh, man, this is hard when you make it up. Four horsemen. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think of, like, what was, you know. So you got, you got horsemen. And then uh, I would probably, I would then go... Uh, one in puppets. That nice. would close the main set. So that's at 12. I would then open the encore with Until It Sleeps. Nice. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Because I'm going to kind of steal like your, the slow build there. Yeah. 
So then, after, so then after sleeps, I'm gonna go. What is it? I'm trying to think of like it's sleeps bells. Nice. And then it's and then at fifteen, we open with Sandman. We threw in Creep. We have Seek. We have puppets. Okay, so I'm trying to think how will we end this. I mean, obviously there has to be some kind of like fucking crush the the stadium kind of song. So I'm thinking. If we're gonna go cover wise, I'm going bread fan if we're doing covers. So if we're doing covers, wow. bread bread fan. Okay. It's a fun, it's a fun. But if we're not doing covers, we throw out bread fan, then I'm ending this I'm I'm ending with You know what? Fuck it. I'm ending with whiplash. Wow. Alright, I Wouldn't like you... that. I like that. Yeah. So like not, not not bad. Like if if I had given it, if we had eighteen songs, then I probably put in more than <laughs> put in more more than on the spot thought. I, I probably would have mixed in more of like you know like load and reload in there. Yeah. But I, I mean, on, I I behold her, Kevin Kevin Van Dam just made your day. <laughs> I was on my uh, I was like writing the songs down on my phone, like on my commute to work, and I'm like. I did it this morning, and <laughs> I, I, I had a different set list. I'm like, oh, let's mix it up a bit and take a, out a couple songs. It was fun. And uh, yeah, one day, it is fun. I'm going to go on the road, and uh, Lars can retire from creating the set list, <laughs> and I'll just write it for them, and they can, you know, I'm not going to ask for a lot of money, just enough to live off, and, you know. They can pay my expenses if they, you know, feel so generous. I, I'm not going to push it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to push it. I'm like, yeah, you know what, maybe we should. Hey, you know, guys, throw me a bone every once in a while. I'm like, let me just design a shirt or poster for you. All right, you can keep the royalty. Just give me, like, a nice down payment. You know, just give me that. We'll, we'll call it a day. Yeah, but you know what? To, even though, like, this was fun, like, to, to Lars' credit, it's hard to come up with a set list. Yeah, because it is. There's so many have... things to consider, you know, and this is just an arbitrary, uh, like an arbitrary show. Like he has all the records of like when they play their last, what they played. So he's trying to see like, all right, what can we get with, what can we get away with playing again? Which is usually, you know, your one, your puppet, your Sandman, probably like nothing else matters, and maybe one or two others. So in the rest of the set list, he's trying to make different. Right. And you want it at least slightly different from the night before in the other city, and having a right mix of, you know, everything we talked about with old school, newer school. Um, you don't want. You know, you don't want seven hardwire tracks, but you don't want just like two or three. You know, it's like always find the balance. Right, and I and I do feel that's very hard because um, yeah, I'm also surprised they haven't debuted like Here Comes Revenge. Yeah, or, they, you know, that's Am I Savage thing. or Murder One yet? That's another thing that I thought they did really well on the Death Magnetic tour was at some point in the sh uh, on the tour, they played every song live. And yeah. I was really hoping with Hardwired, they would get to that point. 
and I'm not sure at this stage they will. I mean, there's still the European leg that maybe they'll mix things right. up for, um, but I'm not sure they'll get to that point. But I would love to see uh, Here Comes Revenge. That's a big one. Um, right. I'm trying to... Uh, Am I Savage could be fun. Um, I'm trying to think of what else they've not played. Murder One. Those, those are the only three songs that haven't played yet. They yeah, and I could do without Murder One Life. It would be fun, but like if I'm going to choose a Hardwire song, that's going to be the last one I'm choosing. Yeah, I agreed. But I'm a real big fan of uh, the other two songs, especially Here Comes Revenge. I love that track. I, I, I mean, of the three... In my savage would be the the one I would want to hear, but yeah. I think here comes revenge is a would be a much better live song. Yeah, because it's the chorus is just made for a live setting because it's so repetitive, you know, and it has yeah. that revenge uh, refrain. It's right. Just, I can just imagine an arena screaming along to that. Easily. Right, or, or I think like my savage is. Um, like I like that little I don't know if you call it a breakdown riff the like that that yeah. dun 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 like yeah, yeah I yeah. think that could be fun live but I can see that maybe making the set once or twice I know yeah. James has said in interviews like when the album came out like they're gonna play every song live on this yeah. tour and like we still have you know the European or you know um, stadium tour there's also you know the they have to hit Australia yeah. and Japan. So we're gonna play. There's a lot of touring left. They'll be touring easily into 2020, and maybe even beyond before. And that's why you know, when you look at the albums on paper, it's like, how did it take them eight years to make a new album? But it's like, well, they toured for like on and off for two or three years. Did the festivals? Did the movie? Did Lulu? Did this? Did that? It's like a whole, before you know it, it's like, oh, shit, it's been eight years. Right. You know, like, when you think about it, they um, they started back in 2014 with Lords of Summer. Yeah. And then they kind of, they came back to that, you know, in 2015. Well, that, yeah. They did that and also the Beyond Magnetic EP. Like, there was, like, little things here and there to hold you over, you know? Yeah, and I kind of wish, like, this is my little thing of like, I wish they would just do EPs. Like, yeah. you don't, you don't need a full album at this point, you know, in their career. I get it, you know, there's more to go behind, but like, fuck it, like, do like. I think I was, I was talking to Tom about this. We did um, some fucking Lulu song, and I can't remember we, what song we did. It was but, that um, memorable, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was that memorable. Maybe it was frustration. No, it was mostly frustration. It was That was what you were feeling at the end of the Yeah, episode. exactly. It was feeling frustration. <laughs> exactly what I felt. That was some fucking song. I can't remember what it was on Lulu. But I felt like it was really like a like a missed opportunity of like them doing a full on concept album where every song Yeah ties into each other because like they do thematic albums where like the mm. songs loosely tie into it like for example like Ride the Lightning is about death Master yep. of Puppets is about manipulation Injustice for All is about injustice the Black Album is about you know like is about yeah. um, you know th- internal feelings you know load and reloads about you know a personal exploration of life events 
saying anger is, you know, is a, is about uh, happiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, death magnetic is about death and hardwire is about the human condition. You know, like, yeah. and you have like two or three songs that kind of like directly relate to that particular yeah. theme. But That's true. like for them to have a, to like, to have like Icer's horror show or something wicked or, you know, like, or, or the dark saga or like all the songs relate to the theme of the album and it continues the story. I think it, they really with Lulu, they could have done it, but I think they realized this is a loose project. Yeah. They didn't, they were contributing to arrangements. They didn't, it wasn't their vision. It, yeah. And I would have, and I, and I, I really want to hear whatever riffs, music, soundscape that Lou Reed had. That right. James and that, because that's what James and Lars described it as. It was soundscapes. It wasn't like what were you see like with, with a Metallica demo or any demo where it's like scratch guitar, scratch lyrics, and scratch vocals and drums. You know what I want to find? I want we hear so much about Lulu, um, mostly negative, mostly from either like general pop music critics or from Metallica fans, right? Mm-hmm. I would want to find a hardcore, extremely knowledgeable Lou Reed fan and pick his brain on this album and have him tell me what he thinks about this album from a Lou from the perspective of a Lou Reed fan. Like somebody who's really like could recite the discography of Lou Reed and knows like what his few albums were like before Lulu and like I want to know that side of it. From what I've read, a lot of Lou Reed fans love Lulu because it's which makes sense because Lou Reed's it's this right in line with I mean from what I know about Lou Reed from what I've heard by Lou Reed. I, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I'm. Uh, I can recite, you know, especially in recent Lou Reed, um, you know, which is why I said like I would be interested to know about the first few, like his last few albums leading up to this project. But mm-hmm. from what I know and what I've heard, it falls right in line with what you'd expect. It's another yeah. Lou Reed record. I even think David Bowie said it was like Lou's best album. Yeah, he. I'm not sure if he said it was his best album or like the best album he's done in you know like decades. Like he thought it was like a true final masterpiece for him. Yeah. So that yeah, that'd be interesting. And I do feel like with, with on the Metallica side, it was a missed opportunity to you know. And again, like I was like telling Tom, like. You know, Metallica—they're like the eternal perfectionists. Yeah. You know, like they—they they argue for months over the bridge to the to like the you know to a song that's gonna be on the B side of their album, not even like <laughs> right. a single. Like right. they'll they'll sweat over that, you know, versus like laying it down in two or three takes and then walking away from it, like what Lou would do. Yeah, and, which was jarring to them. I yeah, and I, but that did kind of rub off a little bit because the song Hardwired was written in like three or four days. Yeah. 
and it was the last song on the, like to be written for the album, and it ended up being the opening track and the song they play, you know, the open yeah. every Hardwire show. I think there's a beauty to both, right. just as long as it's all natural, you know? Like, some right. songs you got to sit down and you got to work a little harder on, or they just need more work. Whereas other yeah. songs, you just sit down and you're like, boom, done. Right. You know, because, yeah, because, like, Hardwired has, like, that nice spontaneity to it. You know, you feel like Moth in the Flame, it flows really well because you know, like, well, they really worked to get this song put together. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I would love for them to do more, like, in that vein of um, Hardwired. I, I would love, like, shorter songs. Yeah, I would love to see or to hear from them um, another collection covers. You know, they sort of sprinkle in covers here or there. They did the um, Rainbow Rising medley and uh, When a Blind Man Cries. Cries. Like they've, they've done them. I would like to see those songs, like a, basically another Garage Inc. where all like the Ramones covers from like the St. Anger B-sides and all mm -hmm. the ones that have been on compilations like get compiled onto one disc with a collection of a bunch of new ones. Because I think, I think they're I think, I mean maybe I'm biased, but I think they're <laughs> I think their covers are among the best you'll hear from any artist because they are true masters of taking a song and making their own. I mean, a perfect example to me is Turn the Page, which is a, mm -hmm. because that's a popular, well-known, classic rock song. But how many people do you think think that song's by Metallica? I mean, unless you're a big Bob Seger or classic rock fan. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that being that way. There's so many people you know, who just know that version of it, you know, at least in our generation right. or, you know, a younger generation. Or again, like going back to "Am I Evil," how many people know the Diamond Head song? Right. Well, that's another thing too. It's like, you know, "Am I Evil?" You know, to a lesser or like helpless, or to a lesser extent, like even like a last caress. How many people know that's you know Diamond Head, Misfits? You know, they yeah. they've they've done so much to, to these obscure bands, you know, and made them. Yeah. Less obscure. <laughs> I so the puts you on the spot. Like like I don't have to do a whole album, but like what would you like to hear from them Ooh. for like a new like like brand new studio cover? I would like to hear. All right, some of the stuff I want to hear is a little bit out there. I remember reading um, an interview with them in So What magazine when they were talking about the songs they were selecting for Garage Inc. And mm -hmm. there were conversations, at least, about them doing, like, a Johnny Cash song or a Tom mm -hmm. Waits song. I'm a be cool. huge fan of both those artists, and I would love to hear their take on one of those songs. And, I mean, like, Low Man's lyric has a lot of Tom Waits in it. Mm -hmm. um, and... Like, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, another favorite group of mine. I love Nick Cave. So their take on that song was sort of a curveball for a lot of people, even though James is a massive Nick Cave fan. So mm -hmm. I think, like, a Johnny Cash cover or uh, a Tom Waits cover would be right in line with things they've done before that they could definitely make their own, at least with the right selection. Mm. 
Um, okay. I would love to hear them do a ghost cover. I think, uh, I know they're one of James's favorites, and I feel like there's so many songs that borrow from Metallica that they could do, um, you know, on their own. I'd mm-hmm. like to hear um, some album, like some uh, studio versions of some of the acoustic covers they've done live. Um, yes, I would love to hear Brother, Brother, Brother in Arms. I, dude, I was going to say uh, Brothers in Arms, one of my favorite covers they've done. I would love a studio version of that. And um, uh, they're uh, uh, in, in My Life, the Beatles cover. I would say Only Happy When It Rains. I, that, I think that's more natural. You know what I love about the In My Life cover? I love the, mm-hmm. I actually prefer the version that James did on his own. Mm-hmm. At uh, the Sammy Hagar, uh, you know, shows that he did. What was? Oh, why is it escaping me? The name of the shows. Yeah, I know you're talking yeah. about. Anyways, he um, he hits like that high note at the end, and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> he yeah. can hit those notes again. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think those would be all fun examples. Do you have any that you'd yeah, like to hear? I- I mean, um, I guess mine would probably be more traditional. Like, I would love to hear um, a proper version of Sucking My Love from Diamond Head. Yeah, since it goes cool. back to their first gig. Yeah. Um, there's, um, oh, my God. Oh, my God, the fucking the band escapes me. Hold on. We're going to have to... Of the YouTube is I can I can tell you the song right now. I can I know this I know the name of the song, but I want to get the band right because I because it's um it 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 is uh it's one of the songs that uh, James mentioned as a cover. I mean, when you do if Metallica's doing a cover album, I think doing a Diamond Head song and a couple other songs in that vein are almost like. Given without saying, like, you've got to have that representation. Right. All right. So I found it. Jaguars acts crazy. <laughs> listen, to, listen to that song. It is two minutes of, like, new wave of British heavy metal proto thrash. All right. I'm and even, like, in, like, when James was talking about the, uh, like, when the hard, like, wired and, like, the rips. Yeah. He mentioned that song, and I... Like you listen to it and you're like, oh my god! Like this is, it is so, it's so 80s, but it's so awesome at the same time. Um, I wouldn't mind them doing a prop, like a proper version of um, Merciful Fate's um, Return of the Vampire. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be, yeah, it'd be really cool. And then like some, you know, maybe maybe more off the wall stuff, like. Um, wouldn't wouldn't mind them doing like um, beat it from Michael Jackson because hmm. I think it'd be it'd be, interesting. be interesting. I think though um, when you do a cover like that, then you run the risk of crossing that line into like the example I'll use is Weezer when they did Africa 
Uh, it yeah. became this monster pop hit, and it's sort of like um, it. I feel like it's kind of taken a, even though it's like really popular for the moment, it overall kind of takes away from like their history as a rock band. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it to turn. I would. I think I hear what you're saying. I think it would, could be awesome, especially since it's like you got fucking Eddie Van Halen on guitar and shit. Like it's legit rock song. You do like well, that's um, what's it? What song did you say? Beat it. Yeah. So you have like Eddie Van Halen on guitar and stuff like that, but. I just feel like depending on how it's done and how it's presented, it runs the risk of coming across as like kind of too tongue in cheek. Yeah, I, I can I can kind of see that. I can I can kind of see that. Also, too, though. like it would be fun and like, um, you know, Metallica is also one for like not going for like the obvious. Yeah. Now, like I would also love to hear a proper version of Mistreated from Dirt from Deep Purple. Because that, that tease on the Black Album tour, I'm like, come on, come on, fellas. Come on. Like, <laughs> how would awesome like, would that be? I would like to, I think it would be really interesting, too, to hear them cover one of their contemporaries, like do an Anthrax cover. I would, you know, um, one thing, I would love to hear them do, like, Slayer's Postmortem. Just because it's, yeah. you know, like, Postmortem has kind of that, it's a thrash kind of groovy thing. Yeah. So I think that would fit. They should just they do would... an all Megadeth covers album and claim to have <laughs> written say... all the riffs. <laughs> I was I was gonna be a dick. Like, they, they, you know I'll what? Sell every Megadeth album. You know what they should? You know what they should cover? And they'll the win a Grammy, and he'll they'll have David Stain's name put on the Grammy, yeah. and it'll just be the biggest f you to poor Dave. You know what? They should cover the mechanics. <laughs> they should cover the mechanics for sure. I, I think they do a good. I think they would do a good job on that cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I think it, I think they would do a good job on that song. If James doesn't like the lyrics he wrote for Holier Than Thou, I don't know if he'll like the lyrics that Dave wrote for the mechanics. But <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, he might, you know, he might just, you know, give it a slight more. I guess. I mean, I'd feel maybe if James were to cover the mechanics. He might give it a slight more, I don't know, biblical feel to it. That's just me personally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and you, you have someone out there going, well, yeah, excuse me, it's called the Four Horsemen. It's called the Joke People. They've already Jesus. did that. And yeah, the, the middle part that. is different, and the lyrics are changed. And yeah. I don't get I, jokes. Yeah. I, yeah, they don't. <laughs> I, I would love for them... Like the with like Thin Lizzy, yeah. Do fucking um Emerald. Yeah, there's so many Thin Lizzy songs that they could easily tap into. I and, just yeah, I think like I think Emerald's like yeah, perfect. Yeah, that'd be great. This I mean they're really they're one of those bands that you know they could do. Super heavy thrash, straightforward classic rock. They could do southern rock. They could do a country western cover. They could do a more like alternative leaning track. Like it would be, it'd be cool to have them do like Alice in Chains song or something like that too. Yeah, that would be that'd be fucking cool. Have them I do mean, like a studio version of Wood or something. Yeah, they they, they, they could do that or, or like, they such can a, do like a, that's like a such a perfect song for like the 
for the Hatfield Crunch, like, dang, 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 yeah. You know, it's just like made for his downstrokes, I feel like. Yeah, they can also do like the, um, like a proper studio version of like the Soundgarden covers they did, like All My Lies. Yes. Which, they could do that too. Which was, uh, it's a perfect segue. It's like I h- hired you to do this or something. Because um, before we wrapped up, I wanted to mention the Chris Cornell Tribute concert. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have a chance to check out any of the videos or anything for Metallica or any other acts? Uh, just for the Metallica, I haven't checked out the other ones yet. But yeah. I did, well, there's I, only, I, did I don't know what's taking you so long. It was only like a five-hour show. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, we have a life. And you, you know, this is this is one of my free nights, you know, in the week. So Yeah, I mean, that's, well, that's when you... Say, all right, kids, today's lesson about art is the Chris Cornell tribute show. I'm not getting the connection myself, but, you know, they can figure, that's for them to figure out. Yes. Yeah. Like, kids, aren't you the highway? You don't get it? <laughs> Fuck you, I don't I'm care that you're highway, not. You're the highway, we're the Thanks. highway. Right. Now watch the video and then draw your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Every highway needs a friend. Yeah, but they did, um, for those of you who might not know, Metallica, of course, performed at I Am The High with the Chris Cornell Tribute Show, and they did a four-song set uh, from the Bell Tools, Master Puppets, and then two Soundgarden covers, All Your Lies, and Head Injury. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your opinion on the Soundgarden covers that they did? I thought it was very, um, I thought they were two fun covers that they definitely put the Metallica spin on. I agree. I, this this goes back to what we were saying before. Like they they're finding like the, you know the the um the off the beaten path covers. They're not gonna yeah. go right for, you know they're not covering Black Hole Sun. Right. You know they're not covering Rusty Cage. You know they're going for like songs off their first album. Right, um, which is more in their wheelhouse. Right, and like I like them. I thought yeah. they were really good. Yeah, so, me too. I thought they were. They had, they just a, I'm still always surprised sometimes, like, the hugeness of their sound, you know? And when you hear them do... And sound, not that Soundgarden has a small sound. They got a big sound, especially with Chris Cornell's voice and what that was. That was just a wall of sound. But to yeah. hear, like, you know, the Metallica oomph behind it, I was just like, whoa, that sounds super powerful. Yeah, and, like, the, the crunch and all that. It was... You know, like, it, it was... Surprise! You know, not to say surprising. Well, I like I was surprised, but like they would do a good job. But you yeah. know, it was there were songs that I wasn't. I, I'll admit I wasn't familiar with, and I checked out the originals. And I'm like, wow, like they did for like yeah, they did it pretty good. So good for them. And they worked in um, on the so that was like right before this. Uh, the current North American leg kicked off on the World Wide Tour, and they worked in head injury into the set the on the first show back on the road, which was yeah. cool. And a couple people are like, what the fuck is this? But, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. that, but it is cool. Like, that's now a song yeah. they can dip into. Right. You know, and, like, that's probably, like, that was a, probably a one-off. They're not going to play it again. Yeah. But it, it's still pretty cool that, like, they even thought about, like, they had such a good vibe off of those songs. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. let's put one of these in our proper set list. It seems, uh, I have um, a friend who, when he lives out in L.A., and uh, he is a massive Chris Cornell fan, like that he loves 
Soundgarden. He loves Temple of the Dog. He loves Pearl Jam and Matt. He's a drummer, so he loves Matt Cameron, the drummer, and mm-hmm. he and he loves Chris Cornell. And so I asked him how the show was, and he was just saying it was like he said it was awesome. He said it was amazing, but he said it was like really weird in the sense that you're just feeling so many different things throughout the night. Like on one hand. You're at a concert that's playing some really rocking music. You just want to rock the fuck out. On the other hand, you're like completely devastated and (laughs) going through all these like horrible emotions because one of your like heroes is gone. And there were some somber moments, of course. But I asked him um, what he thought were was like what was the best part of the night. And his answer surprised me. And then it was funny because I saw a headline with Lars Ulrich basically saying the same thing. Um, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> yeah, I heard the same thing too. And I, uh, to the point, I heard it so much that I actually seeked out her version on YouTube of uh, Hello to Heaven. Superb. <laughs> Never thought I'd be out. talking about Miley Cyrus on Metallicast. I mean, she's got a killer voice, and she just tore it down. It was really, really good. So, even if you're a lot, even if you're like, why is, is Brandon okay? Is pop uh, <laughs> music? You know, if, if that's your mentality, if you like the song, and you're a fan of Chris Cornell's music, I encourage you to check it out. I thought it was really, really well done. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've read the same thing. I again haven't had time to. And it's large yeah, check it out. Poop, so fuck you. <laughs> yeah, guys, you know, like, fucking did a good, you know, fucking job with the song. Uh, but I think we did it, Nick. I think we did, too. I think we did it. We Congratulations on guessing on your first Metallicast mixtape. Hopefully the first of many to come. Um, hopefully... When I hit stop, these audio files do not disappear. That would be good, yeah. If they disappear, I think bow, I'm going bow, to bow. just break everything in front of me, including my laptop. Um, so if I just go off, if you don't hear from a new ep- if you don't get a new episode and you don't hear from me on social media, I'm not dead. I just broke everything. <laughs> <laughs> And um, at this point, you're not getting an episode in January if that happens. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But thanks, Nick, for coming on. Um, Any final words? Anything you want to plug and have people check out? Uh, I mean, there's the the Instagram, you know, with art on it. I mean, there's, like you said, like, you know, as a teacher, you know, like, we're in the thick of the year. I know my marking period ends on Friday. It's about doing grades, crunching things in, passing kids that deserve to fail, you know, (laughs) the usual. (laughs) I've got Um, my big winter show on uh, this Friday, so got to get through that and get to my Super Bowl. Go Pats! Sorry, I'm a New England fan. For those of you who give a shit about football, for those of you who do not give a shit... Go Pats. <laughs> um, but, so what are you on Instagram? You've said on it before, but plug it's, it away. It's, it's, it's my name. It's, it's Nick McCoviak, N-I-C-K-M-O-C-K-O-V-I-A-K. You know, 
I'm on all the other shit, you know, I'm on yeah. whatever. But Instagram is the best best thing since me, you know, visual artist posts a bunch of. And if you're wondering what kind of stuff he does, check out the Pusshead episode of Metallicast. Yes. And we go heavy into uh, his art and his influences. And believe mm-hmm. it or not, Pusshead. I know that's hard to believe that we talked about him on his episode dedicated to him, but uh, oh, we, we spent a little bit of time on Pusshead. Yeah, just we, a we little bit of time. Just a little bit. I think it was like <laughs> talking about life and teaching and philosophy, and then we kind of touched on Pusshead. So yeah, it was, was really one of the first Metallica mixtape episodes, just not labeled as such. So right, you know that was like the uh, that was the. Um, it was a sampler for you. you yeah, know? just a sample pi- of things to come. Yeah, it's the pilot. It's the pilot episode, if you will. Yeah, because like I said, Nick, I'm not at all figuring this out as I go along. No, not at all. Yeah, everything's been planned from the start, um, including uh, my social media pages at Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, my email gets lonely sometimes. Um, Metallicast at fans.experts.com. I will say though, Nick, if this week is any indication, uh, I am a rich, rich man. Really? Yep. I uh, got a lot of emails saying I have about, I think at this point, I got one email for $5 million, another one for like another five. I'm easily up to $10 million. I just got to send them my bank information. So. This was actually a good reminder. When I'm done recording, I'll do that, and uh, then I can do this full time. So that'll be great. Yeah. Now, did it happen to be from a, from a prince from Nigeria? Wait, did you get the same email? I mean, I'm not saying on air if I did or didn't, but you know, I might have. Did just just tell me this? Did you get the money? I'm still teaching, so no. I thought you did because you loved it. <laughs> yeah, um, then you went home and sat on your oh, pile I mean, of cash. I mean, yes, I, I I love teaching. I I, I love I love repeating myself, you know, fourteen <laughs> times in a span of twenty minutes. Oh, to something I just explained. It's so I love true. It. So I do true. Um, I do it for the money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but please, if you want to contribute to an episode at any point, email metallicast at fans.expert.com or call the hotline, which, did you hear the one anniversary show? We had so many celebrities calling. It was crazy. I, you didn't listen to it. You're, you know what, Nick? No, you know, I'll edit that part out. <laughs> I'm not going to. You know, I'm so far behind on podcasts. I'm I like, get it. Like, Trust me, I get it. I mean, um, out of a like, like, like handful I have a handful like my, of podcasts that I listen to, and I'm like, I'll save these episodes for the summer when I'm on the beach. And <laughs> right, like I look at Tom's episodes. It's like Alpha Metallica. You have like 30 episodes in the queue, like and all of like the metal tales from from top, from um, from Clint Ethan. It's like 20. I'm like, fuck, I'm never getting around to this. We had a lot of uh, celebrities call in um, to say, you know, to wish me good luck. Uh, you know, we had uh, a Dave, a Jamie, a Lars, um, the guy from Hoopa's Think, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Richard Hesse, the biggest celebrity of them all. Oh um, yes. If it if you're if it seems like I have a man crush on Richard Hesse, I think I do. <laughs> um, Nick, 
Yes. I'm going to be honest with you. At the start of this episode, I said Mike and I record the greatest podcast never heard. And, and I put a lot of pressure on you. And I got to say, you did you did good, kid. You did good. I don't... Hold on. I don't know if this is as good. I don't know if this will get me to, like, Joe Rogan level. Notice I'm just surpassing, like, Clinton Ethan level. Um, You do have the art guy on the show, so, you know. What's that? You do have the art guy on the show, you know. That counts for something. Uh, Yeah. And uh, my goal, Nick, is world domination, just like Metallica's back in the day. And until I have... How many albums have they sold? Like 140 million worldwide. Until I have 140 million downloads a month, mm-hmm. I'm not stopping. Ah, uh, well. And that means I it, only have about 139,999,000 to go. So I'm, I'm, I'm this close. I'm this close. I can feel it. But thanks, Remember, Nick, man. for coming on the show. This was uh, uh, you're welcome. This was last minute. In all seriousness, the episode released with Mike between you and I, um, I'm done recording. I'm just not gonna make the year, but just okay. You know, um, it wasn't very good. Um, Mike oh. kind of uh, he phoned it in. Um, oh. He was talking about random shit. Not really. He knew nothing about Metallica. He, half the episode was me explaining to him who Metallica was. Um, oh. Uh, the the files were not actually lost. I just deleted them. Um, I oh. told them they were lost. But that's but but that's not going to make the uh, episode. So that, that just stays between you and me, Nick. Okay. You, you got it. You got it. All right. Please don't tell Mike. Um, I won't. All right. Anyways, um, I'll I'll just edit that part out and then I'll wrap it up here. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, thanks for a great episode, Nick. And as you know, we always end with a cover song and um, in tribute to Mike. Um, may he rest in peace or uh, may his audio files rest in peace here is a band that he likes um, Hailstorm are you a Hailstorm fan at all? I am a Hailstorm fan have you heard the Ride the Lightning cover? I have well you're too bad you're going to listen to it again here it is here's Hailstorm covering Ride the Lightning Um, please do not assume I'm making no money off this. Help your ass. Yeah. <laughs>
Fuck Dave Mustaine. There you go. Bad non-experts.